But we're jumping uh, to the other end of the Bible, essentially, this morning. As I was thinking about where to go next, and, and God told me it was time to move on, I hope you enjoyed. I think we spent eight weeks, eight Sunday mornings, um, following God into the unknown, following the story of Exodus and Moses. And, uh, and, and God just kept impressing on me this thought of truth, um, the thought of truth and how important it is, especially in today's time. I, my study Bible that I use, this was, I'm going to read you the first paragraph that is the overview of this huge book that we're going to work our way through, known as the Second John. It's a letter. It's an epistle. It is not a huge book. It's one chapter. It's literally 13 verses. Uh, we're going to do this in two to three weeks. I'm going to read you the first chapter or the first paragraph of the overview out of my study Bible. It says, Truth and love are frequently discussed in our world, but seldom practiced. From politicians to marketers, people conveniently ignore or conceal facts and use words to enhance positions or sell products. Perjury is common, and integrity and credibility are endangered species. Words, twisted in meaning and torn from context, have become mere tools for ego building. It is not surprising that we have to swear to tell the truth. Man, I don't know when this was written. It was not. I've had this Bible probably... Ten years, maybe. But does it not describe the time that we're living in? The culture, the political state, the debate of social media and all the chaos that's going on of, of what is true and what is not. And in this, this, this epistle that John writes, he gets to the heart of truth. And I want to spend some time there this morning because I think in... Uh, this is for me as much as you, in a world where we don't know what to believe. Have you found yourself saying that lately? We were just talking about, I don't know what to believe. I don't know what to believe about the virus, about masks, about, uh, I mean, you just get to a point, you're hearing all kinds of different opinions and sides, and now we've got social media, so everybody has a platform and, a, and an opinion, and you're hearing it from all sides, and you say, what is true in this world anymore? Where are hard facts? Where is real truth? Where is solidity? Where is some foundation that we can start from to at least know, okay, right here is ground zero. This is true. I know this much. And when John talks about truth in this book, he's not talking about our ability to tell the truth and not tell a lie. He was talking about absolute truth. If you remember Jesus, he made this claim. He said, I am the way, the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. He said he was truth. And so what John is talking about here in this letter is, uh, is that foundational truth, absolute truth of the gospel. We're going to spend some time, a little background, figuring out what does the Bible say about truth. We're going to figure out this, this main point of this morning's message about walking in the truth is this truth. That what we believe and when we put our confidence in the truth in Jesus Christ, when we put our confidence in him, it should be connected to our behavior. Our life should reflect it. That's what he's saying. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. As I was thinking about it, anybody watch X-Files when you were a kid? 
I was thinking about this. Right, you feel like this in the world right now? Like somewhere out there there's truth. Somebody is saying something that's true, but I don't know who it is. I don't know what it is. And this, you, anybody remember this show? Am I the only one? No, look at that. Y'all being honest. Looking for aliens. Right? Scully and I can't remember the other. Mulder. Yeah, right? They were looking. They were digging through. They were every episode looking. They'd find some alien. They were looking for what's the truth. And this morning, I want to take you to a place where you can find truth. Where you can find at least a baseline of things you can build a life on, a family on, a career on, and more importantly, an eternity on. Quick survey of what the Bible says. It says, God is the God of truth in Deuteronomy 32.4, meaning he is the source of it. He's the source of truth. Christ is the truth and full of truth in John chapter 14 and John 1. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth in John 14, 17. The Bible is called in Daniel 10, 21, the Scripture of Truth. We are saved by the truth. We are sanctified by the truth. We love the truth. These are the words of John MacArthur. We are judged by the truth. We are set free by the truth. We worship in the truth. We serve God in the truth. And we rejoice in the truth. In the truth. We speak the truth. We think on the truth. We desire the truth. We manifest the truth. We hear the truth. We obey the truth. Most comprehensively, what we're going to talk about this morning, we walk in the truth. That is to say, we conduct our lives in the realm of the truth. It determines how we think and how we speak and how we act. We walk in the truth. Now, let me tell you, it's really easy in today's time to start walking outside the realm of truth. To start walking in the realm of our opinions and, and debate and discourse and, and get more excited about arguing about things that are actually not uh, of eternal consequence and lose sight of the real hope we have to offer the world. And so this morning we're going to spend some time right there this Paul wrote to Timothy, a young preacher, in 1 Timothy 3.15. He said, the church exists in the world to be the pillar and ground or foundation of the truth. This is why the church exists. This is what he says. He says, if I'm delayed, you will know how people ought to conduct themselves in God's household, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and foundation of truth. We're going to find in this epistle that even in the first century, there were false teachers. There were people out teaching. They were trying to align with Christianity, but they were leaving very important, critical doctrine and truths out of what they were teaching. And so it's important that the church maintains this pillar and foundation of truth about who Jesus was, about his, the virgin birth, about these critically important things, that he was God in the flesh and he was man. He was God and man, that he was crucified that he was a sacrifice, that he was our perfect sacrifice, that he lived a life of righteousness, that, that he was resurrected on the third day. All these things are critical to the truth, and the church should be the pillar and the foundation of truth. This is important because there's an opposite of truth, and that is lies. The Bible says that Satan 
is the father of lies. Why is knowing the truth important? Because you're going to be bombarded with lots of lies, lots of falsehoods about who Jesus is, about who you are, about what you should be doing, about how you should be living. And if we are not built and strong in the foundation of the truth, we won't know what's up. We won't know what's up. It says Satan is the father of lies. He dominates his subjects so that they fail to understand and to believe the truth. His goal in life, in his existence, is to distract you and confuse you and have you wondering about what is true about God. And he's working every day to do that. James 1.22 says, Be doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Three things I want to think about. If, if, this, if this accepting the truth of Jesus is to impact how we uh, live and, and, and how we behave, there's things that come out of here that I want to share with you. Let's read the first four verses of 2 John. As we get ready to read these, I want to tell you who the author is. This is the Apostle John, pretty much widespread. Everybody agrees uh, that this was the Apostle John, the same person who wrote the gospel according to John. He also wrote these three epistles. We're starting with the second one in the middle. They're right together here in the Bible. Uh, he also wrote Revelation. This was written late in his life, many years after he wrote the gospel of, according to John. He was likely living in Ephesus at the time. If you were here with us, we went through, an enti- we went through the entire book of Ephesians Um, But he was living in Ephesus at this time. He was an elder. He was the only apostle who died of a natural death who was not not martyred. And he starts out by saying the elder, and he's talking about himself. The elder to the elect lady and her children. Lots of debate here on is he really writing to a woman? This is a letter, a real letter he wrote. Is he writing to a literal woman, or is he using this as a figure of speech or an analogy, illustration for a congregation, Christ's bride, the church? Nobody agrees. I wasn't there. I don't know. There's still strong truth in this book, okay? To the elect lady and her children whom I love in truth, and not only I, but also who know the truth, all who know the truth, because of the truth that abides in us and will be with us forever. Grace, mercy, and peace will, will be with us from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, in truth and love. I'm going to stop. Wait, let me read verse 4. I rejoice greatly to find some of your children walking in the truth just as we were commanded by the Father. This is his salutation, his introduction of this letter. This third verse, I love this. That's not what my sermon's about, but it says, God, mercy, and peace will be with us. Do you wake up every day with that mindset? Or do we wake up thinking, man, I hope grace, mercy, and peace, or I hope I have a peaceful day. Do you see this mindset difference that John living this long life of faith and trust in Jesus Christ, how he is living it out? Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us in truth and love. And he says it comes from God the Father and from Jesus Christ, the Father's Son. The first thing is one, if our belief is going to connect to our behavior, is that we find here that this congregation, these people, 
have been moved from division to unity. From division to unity. He says, whom I love in truth, this lady or the church. And he says, not only I, but also how many, what percentage of the others who know the truth? Most of the other people? No. A few of the other people? No. He says, all, all who know the truth. They all love this person. Now listen, this is not, uh, for, 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 for John, this is not a moment of, oh, in this moment, I love you because you did this. It is not a love because of circumstances, because you are this way or that way or, or, or because you've done this for me or that for me. It is simply because we are anchored in this central place, a thing called real truth. Because at this time in that church, and they were having house church at that time, right? They didn't know anything about a building on Main Street, okay? They were just getting together and they were the church. Wherever they were meeting and talking about God and sharing and encouraging and worshiping together, that was church. And he's writing to them. He says, all, uh, all who love you. And we find that anchored on this one truth with all the falsehoods that are going around, the real church will be united. They, you will be together, not by denomination. The, the real church, God's church, capital C church, is united on the truth. This foundation of truth should bring us from division to unity. It really should. It doesn't. Here's what it doesn't say, and I don't know where this is going to go, but it's been on my heart. This does not say that it brings unity to a country. Did it say that? Did it say it bring unity to society or culture? No. And what, yeah, you know, th- this is, I'm just going to share my heart on a few things. Uh, there was not several months ago, earlier this year, I was traveling for work and I was on a plane and uh, it was a kind of a long flight, and I thought, I'm going to watch something, you know, those things in front of you, and you scroll through it, and there was a a thing called Be the Loudest Voice. I don't know if any of you have watched that. I didn't watch much of it. I didn't even watch all of the first episode, I don't think. It was about a guy named Roger Ailes. Anybody know that name? He's the CEO of Fox News. And, uh, man, I was watching that, and and I was just watching and how it, played out in the mindset. This, this idea that they were, they, they were building a, a business. Okay, I'm not getting political here. I'm not going to pick Fox News over CNN. What, what I want to tell us is we got to be mindful, okay? Because what is behind all this are business interests, agendas, Okay, when, when I heard him saying, we, we are not going to give people uh, things to critically think about. We are going to tell them what they want to hear so they watch our television station and we can sell more commercials. Okay? Then we got to get real worried about where is truth. 
And we've got to be real careful just to submit ourselves to anything and this or that, one or the other, CNN. You got, I, got, I know people who live and die by CNN. I know people who live and die by Fox News or CNBC or MSNBC. There, there's only one place for real truth. And when people get agendas, when they have alternative agendas, it becomes dangerous. What you can have in the church, because here's what God will start to tell you. You know, if you watch Fox News, you cannot be friends with somebody who watches CNN. You know the world will tell you that. What John is talking about here is real truth. And real unity that I don't care what you watch or who, I don't care what color skin you have. I don't care. I don't care what the division is that should normally. I don't care if you're 80 and I'm 15. I don't care. There should be no divisions where truth is adopted. This builds real unity. The truth of the gospel. It was not intended to make a political nation holy and righteous. It was intended to change hearts. One heart at a time. When we remind as the church our role is to be the pillar and foundation of truth. Why was that so important when Paul wrote that to Timothy? Because Timothy was in Ephesus. You know what was there? This, this, the temple of Diana, I think it was called. It was one of the seven wonders. This, the greatest temple, it had 127 pillars, I think, dedicated to a false god that king after king had donated pillars and given to. These were just not like your colonnade white pillars, they were, they were ordained with gold and jewels. And he says, that, that is what is all around us, is falsehoods, deceit, and lie. The devil running rampant. And the church has to be a place. When he used those words, pillars and foundation, it meant something to Timothy. Because Timothy probably walked by every day the direction the culture had gone. But in Ephesus, they didn't begin to try to change it from the top. They slowly shared the message of truth. You remember they used to, they used to sell the, the uh, they were selling idols to this false god, uh, Diana. And the guy, I can't remember, this is an axe, and he's selling those, and he's making a living doing this, selling these graven idols. And all of a sudden, when Paul gets there and they set up a church and people start getting saved, you remember what happens, right? They didn't legislate and say, you can't make those graven idols anymore. All his customers got saved. And all of a sudden, he was out of business. He starts saying, what is going on? Nobody's coming to buy these graven images. And he found out they had met the true and living God. And as a church, when we get serious about that, about sharing truth with our friends, when we share it by walking it, by living it, when we realize we're more than a, a target market or a designated audience, 
when we realize that all those things are temporary. We find that at the end of this, when we really connect our belief in truth to our behavior, we start to move from temporary things to what he says here at the end, and will be with us how long? Forever. We start getting mindful of eternal things that matter the most, the things that impact eternity. We focus on eternal things, not temporary Lies we'll find here, your bank account determines your success. Uh, those with worldly power are in control. Here's one that hit me last night. Um, Rosie was, uh, she, listen, I was struggling with this last night. I was up till about 2 this morning. I came up to bed, and Rosie had fallen asleep in the bed with Bethany. And uh, yeah, I'm a dad, right? What do dads do when the little kid falls asleep? You take them to the room, right? You pick them up. If y'all have kids, you, you cannot imagine the joy of being able to pick up the little one and carry them to the room. And it's been a long time since I've done it. She usually falls asleep in her bed in her room. And, um, or I'll wake her up and nudge her enough to walk in. And so I, I thought she'd been asleep a couple hours. I, I Pulled the covers back, and Beth kind of woke up, and I was getting ready to get her out, and I was thinking, this is not my little girl. <laughs> okay, y'all following me? Like, I remember when I just, just grabbed her like a dish rag, like a sack of potatoes. And I, 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 I got her up, and I thought she was passed out. I was like, I really probably should ask her to walk. I don't know if I can get her to her room. <laughs> And so I finally uh, took it. I was like, no, I'm the dad. I'm a man. I'm going to carry her to her room. And so I got her up. And I said, she's sleeping. I don't want to wake her up. And I got her. I was getting ready to walk away from the bed. And she went, good night, Mom. <laughs> she wasn't even asleep, but she wanted to be carried. But here's what I realized by the time I got to her room. There probably won't be many more. Our kids won't be kids forever. There are so many temporary things that we get caught up in. And days and weeks and years go by. And what John's reminding us here is eternal things matter. Eternal things matter she's gonna be 11 in november we uh i don't know if you can see that or not every august since she was six except for when she turned eight we were measuring her height on the door year after year she grows there will be a day i won't be able to carry her to her room and i'll ask myself did i walk in truth in front of her the third and Final thing, so we go from divided to united. We focus on eternal things instead of temporary things. And then we find that we go from drifting to purpose. Grace, mercy, and peace will be with us from God the Father, and from Jesus Christ the Father, Son, and truth and love. And then he says something which makes every pastor... 
uh, happy. Nothing gives me greater joy than to see our congregation, our children. Nothing gives a parent greater joy than to see your children or your congregation walking in truth. You see, you go from wondering, right? When you don't know the truth, when you've not given your life to truth, do you go to perfect purpose? Hebrews chapter 12 says to run the race that is set before you. Ephesians 2.10 says once you've given your life to Christ, you're his handiwork, and there are good things that he has prepared for you to do, that you begin to walk in truth with purpose. You are chosen, you are called, and God will use you for a purpose. You go from what I was in college at times wondering what in the world is this world all about? Why are we here? You know, what, is, what should I do with my life? To all these questions you're trying to wrap your mind around. To realizing I can go from wondering, but when I build this relationship with my creator, he begins to point me in his direction. And that he made me for a purpose. You see, they were living out their faith uh, Monday through Saturday, not just on Sunday as an illustration for us. If you're walking, you're going somewhere. Hopefully, they were not on a treadmill. Walking in truth is more than just believing it, right? It's a step above it. It's obedience. They didn't just believe that Jesus was who he was. They gave their heart and it changed their life. As we get ready to wrap up here this morning, Romans chapter 1 and verse 25. Talking about the lost, the people who have not accepted this truth. It says they exchanged the truth of God for the lie. The devil will get you believing every kind of truth or every kind of falsehood, every kind of alternative, that you don't really need Jesus, that Jesus wasn't really a man, that, that however you feel is right is right. That he, There are many different pathways to heaven. He, he, he will get you believing all those things. And so you can hear all these things. And yesterday morning, Beth, I got up and she was making, uh, we spent some time on the porch drinking coffee, and then she was making some breakfast. And I didn't know what she was making. I came in. I thought it was gravy. And so she started into this long story about what she was making, and it was called polenta, I think. I don't know if that pronounced it right. I'd never had that before. I didn't know what it was. Um, and she, she was telling me this long story, and I was just looking at it thinking, that looks, it looks good. It looks like milk gravy kind of. And she was explaining to me how she made it. You you put water and milk in, you put just meal in with it, and you cook it for 30 minutes and put some butter in it. And she was telling me this long story about how she'd done it. And Beth is great at telling stories. like Because, I mean, eventually it gets to the point. I'm a, I'm a to-the-point guy, right? I'm, like, I'm just waiting. I'm like, get, so what, what is it? What is it? And, but she told me how you make it like this, and we eat meal gravy sometimes, which is the opposite. You put your fat in first, like bacon grease, and you sear the meal in it, and you pour milk in it. It's like the backward of that, but it looked the same to me. 
And let me tell you what I was wanting. I was hearing all these things. And, and, and there's, a, there's a verse David wrote in Psalm that said, Taste and see that the Lord is good. I was, I just, give me a spoon. <laughs> right? Where I got, just give me I, the story and what website and where it came from and what you do for, I just want to taste it. Give me a spoon. Some of you are like that with God. David said, you've got to taste and see for yourself this truth. And he said, for it is good. And this morning, you, you've let it go into your mind, and you've heard things, and you've talked about it, and you've listened to the stories, and you have not grabbed the spoon. And said, I want to experience this in my life. This grace and peace and mercy, this confidence that I can say that will be with me today regardless of what work or school or my family or struggles or challenges sin my way. Thursday night I got to go down to uh, uh, River Place, Riverside, just forgot the name of it, the uh, recovery center in the old Millard High School. I got to do what I really enjoy doing, that's play the keyboard. I was uh, just played the keys for some worship that night. Uh, y'all remember Michael Clark? He's been here uh, and preached. He was, he was preaching uh, that night. Before he went on, we were talking, and uh, we were talking about all the craziness in the world. He'd put some post on Facebook about the 17-year-old boy in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Is that where it was? And all that stuff had happened. And he said, my Facebook started blowing up. I had to delete it. People, you know, it just created this, what happens on Facebook, right? This, this just, everybody's got an opinion. And, and, no, and, and let me tell you how many people change in the midst of all that chaos on Facebook. None. People don't change their minds. And so he's talking about delete. And we, and we were just talking in that moment. I said, you know what people are hungry for? It's truth. We had, there's 124 men, I think, in that recovery center. And uh, they've been struggling the last several months because uh, they're part of addiction recovery care, and they used to be able to bring out uh, people to, to churches, engage them in worship, and, and, and they've been more connected to outside the community because of COVID and all the things that are going on because of the large group that's there. They, they've not been able to do that, and they're just really struggling. And so uh, they asked us to put together a service and bring it, bring it there, and they brought all the, the men in. So here were 124 men coming from every kind of walk of life. Now, listen, Michael Clark, he, he's got the right story to share with that group. If, you don't, if you've never heard him share his story, uh, he's the only one that could get up in front of him and say things like, uh, you know, he, he spent 10 years in prison. I think he had seven felons. He was on drugs for 20 years. He, he trafficking. He'd done it all. He was the only one that could stand up in front of them and say, you know what? I thought I was being a. I, I was running around in the yard. That mean, that means prison for all y'all that live in a different different world. So I was running around in the yard thinking I was a man because a man does his time. And he looked at them. And he said, you want to know the truth? A man takes care of his children. See, I couldn't say that. <laughs> if I said I was running around the yard, I think I'd play kicking a soccer ball or something. 
he can speak that truth to them. I said, what these men need to hear is just the truth of the gospel. That, that with that change, they commit to it. It can change their hearts. He was getting ready to wrap up his, uh, his, 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 his sermon and altar call and went up and started playing the piano. And I mean, people, these men were bawling and crying because they'd been exposed to something that can do way more than any policy, than any new politician, that anything that can change. They've been exposed to something called the truth. And almost a hundred of them came down, bawling and crying, giving their life to Christ. Almost 40 of them went down right immediately and got baptized in the river out back. The truth is, we can argue about guns, walls, masks, Sports, school, till we're blue in the face. We can have Facebook rants and not change one person's mind or heart. We'd be much better served dwelling on things that are good, that are righteous, that are truth. Truth is you're not good enough. I'm not good enough. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Truth is that our sins created this debt that we could not pay the wages of sin or death, but God himself came in the form of man as Jesus Christ and paid our debt. Truth is, the gift of salvation is ours to be received by faith. The truth is, America cannot be a Christian. It doesn't have a soul. A country can't be a Christian, only people can be. Here's what I'm going to ask as we take the thought I went to bed with last night, probably crying that our kids will not be kids forever. You want to make an impact on your family, your neighbors, your community. You want to make a, a real dis- difference. This is my papa's Bible. He was an old regular Baptist preacher we're we're two uh uh uh, we're two thousand years separated from the time of this letter the reason we're here today my papa was one of them there were people who did not compromise on the truth right from generation we're not the first one to have it assaulted and have people come and ask listen the, the devil is is rampant on this world sharing lies in every generation my papa, I never really got to meet him. I was three months old when he, when he passed away, but he, was a, he got saved later in life. Uh, he was a great bluegrass musician, I hear, played mandolin, guitar. He used to travel around, do the circuit, play on radio stations. Um, you know, when, he, when he got saved, one, he could not read. I, he was in his 60s or 70s when he got saved. He couldn't read. He'd been a coal miner his entire life. And my grandmother taught him to read with the Bible. He became a preacher. Now, obviously, I believe it's okay to play instruments. 
He didn't. This, this group didn't. I disagree with that. But let me tell you, it was his way of walking in the truth. He gave up something that was dear to him. He was willing to sacrifice something he'd done his whole life for the truth. If we want to reach people, we will walk in the truth. We're going to get a song this morning. My ask this morning is that we search our hearts, we search our lives and say, is what I believe, is what I believe coming out in my behavior, am I walking in the truth?